Geekscapist. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape. This is your favorite movies, video games, and comic book show. Uh, we also talk TV, pop culture, any of that stuff, you know, that's been popular for the last, I don't know, uh, 10 years and getting even more popular. But we were here at the start. We've been doing this for over 10 years. Uh, this, I think this is one of the longest running geek podcasts. And now we've joined forces with Westwood One. We're here in the Westwood One studios to bring you a brand new Geekscape episode. And... Um, want to pause real quick to let you guys know that Loot Crate is still our sponsor. If you go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape, put in the promo code Geekscape, you get a discount off your subscription box. That could be the WWE box. If you're a wrestling fan, that'll, they'll send you wrestling stuff every week or every month. Sorry, every month. I wish every week. Uh, there's a horror Loot Crate, which is pretty awesome. I got Freddy Krueger chopsticks in one. I got <laughs> I got a pretty cool... Uh, um, like little Jason Voorhees that was cool in a Camp Crystal Lake pennant. That was awesome. Uh, or the big DX box. Maybe you're a big spender and you want to have the big items. Um, I talked on the last episode how they sent me a Jessica Jones uh, alias investigations bag in the last uh, crate, along with a bunch of other stuff. There's the regular loot crate. It's also the loot crate gaming or the loot wear. If you're looking for new stuff to wear, that is cool. Uh, I like loot gaming, though, because they send you all sorts of stuff tied in with video games. And I'm currently intensely addicted to uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's really awesome, and I'm very lucky to have a Switch. But it took some detective work to, like, figure out through Reddit threads when the Walmarts were going to get or, like, Targets and stuff were going to get their shipments and, like, which ones to be in front of at 6 a.m. So... Story I will hold for later on, but the main thing is go to lootcrate.com slash Geekscape. Use the promo code Geekscape to get yourself a discount off your uh, subscription. And if you guys want to advertise on Geekscape and, you know, have access to all these geeks that are uh, always consuming stuff, going to movies and buying things, and they love it as much as I do, uh, send me an email, jonathan at geekscape.net. I'll put you in uh, touch with the right parties over here at Westwood One and... Maybe I'll be promoting your stuff. That'd be awesome. Anyway, let's get to it. This is Geekscape. Every week I have a guest and we talk about the latest news and reviews and pop culture. And you know what? This is a pretty specific guest. My friend Jeffrey Reddick. I've uh, been friends with you for about 10 years, yep. which is pretty awesome. And I'm, I don't know if I've ever had you on the show, Jeff. Have I? I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Cry, crying that little Indian tear, you know, with no. the litter. Yeah, that, just, I that's did. ridiculous. <laughs> I remember in... 2007, I had a job only for a few months with current television, and it was the writer's strike. Oh, yeah. And we did a piece on the writer's strike and how it was going to affect working writers, and you were one of the people that we went around and followed and shot for like a day. Oh, yeah. And that is when I That's first met. met you. Yep, absolutely. We went to a hamburger place in Hollywood. Oh, I am. We saw you guys do like a round table, you and like two or three other writers, and I was like, this Jeffrey Reddick guy is pretty cool. Two years later... ZombieCon year one. Oh, yeah. And there that's, we were yeah. at ZombieCon. And that's when, that's when I was like, oh, I remember you from that video that we shot. And now... We're hoping there's not going to be a strike. And... Um, yeah, well, you know what? As, as a screenwriter who's not as working, uh, not working as much as you, what is going on with the, with the strike? I mean, obviously, if you guys aren't into the Hollywood going-ons, the WGA is up for another 10... It's, now there's a new strike, and a lot of it has to do with these streaming services. And... How much, uh, you know, last last time it was Blu-rays and DVDs and Netflix and stuff like that. And, yeah. and there's not a strike. It, um, luckily, the contracts are up um, midnight, May 1st. So to that's midnight. Tonight. Yeah, midnight. As of recording, we're recording this a week early because this boy's going to India. I'm going to be going to India. <laughs> but so. his movie's coming out <laughs> May 12th. May 12th, yeah. So we're recording this early. Doing but, this a little early. So the strike 
hopefully won't happen tonight, but the contract's okay. up. And it's it's mostly over pension and health care. And the series, you know, they have a lot of series now that aren't 22 to 24 episodes. They have a lot of like six or eight, you know, season series now. Um, but the deals that they have in place are for 22. So they'll mm-hmm. lock a writer into a year-long contract when they're only working for like six months. And then the writer can't take any other work. So they're trying to figure all that out. But things look very, very positive. So um, by the time this comes out, either you guys will be like, Jeffrey called it wrong or there's well, no strike. I hope there's not a strike. I know a lot of uh, writers now who are working on things like the Marvel Netflix shows or they're working on some of the Amazon shows. And they've told me that they write their their episode or two or three. They go through the writer's room. And then when they come to production, they have these guys on a retainer, you know, through the extent of a 22, like you said, yeah. a 22 episode contract when their work is long gone and they want to move on. They want to go right. on to another job. And they're kind of losing money by yeah. being locked into these things to the point where they really have to get their representation, their managers or their agents to call up and demand their release. And it's in, I don't know if that's bad form. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's very icky. It's icky. And, it, you know, and it's also, I mean, you know, it's interesting just because creatively everything starts with the script. Mm-hmm. So in television, like the writers are kind of, you know, they start with the writers and in film, it's kind of been switched over the decades to where they, you know, the directors are kind of at the top of the totem toll and the writers are at the very bottom. So, um, you know, they kind of always give us a shaft on stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Yeah, you wouldn't get invited to set. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, and, and Yeah, and so I've, I've had to, you know, just... I've been in the industry for a long time, so I've learned to forge good relationships with all, all the directors on on my films. So I've got to visit the sets of all my films, but usually they, they don't want to have the writers on set. And a lot of times, you know, there's... You know, people, they'll want you to write a lot of free drafts that aren't in your contract sure. and things like that. And, you know, and... So, you know, they're just trying to make the contracts as fair as possible. And I, it seems like now there's not an appetite for a strike on either side. Uh, ten years ago, both sides were – it was very public and it was very ugly. And there was new media. There was, there was, there was new, something that just hadn't been addressed. Right. And a strike, I, I think, was the only way to actually make force people to sit down and look at it. Right. Absolutely. Because they were still giving us the residual formulas based on DVDs, which mm-hmm. were – I mean, VHS tapes, which were – huge to ship and you can only you know what i'm saying so they're right. so much cheaper to make dvds and so they're making so much more profit but they didn't want to they didn't want to share but it, it seems like now everybody's in a very good place where they want to make this work and things seem very positive going into and they time. don't do it so much now but 10 years ago remember when they would just take segments for or like uh things that hit the cutting room floor on tv shows like like the office and jokes that maybe were cut, and then they'd put them online as bonus features or minisodes, and the writers who had written those episodes didn't get any additional pay for those right. things actually being released because yeah. there's always a bump in some form when a writer sees their stuff to the screen. Not unlike our friend right here who's going to have his movie released May 12th. Uh, so, I mean, you guys will all have seen Guardians 2 five times by then. So the least you guys can do is set, uh, suit up for a little bit of horror and go see this movie Dead Awake. Absolutely. It's going to be in like 10 cities. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can go to the website, areyoudeadawake.com, to see which cities it's playing. But it's going to be on demand as well that day. So it's um, a day and date release. Day and date release. And I'm just telling everybody, please, like, if you want to see it, like, just rent it. Don't don't illegally download it. Right. Um, because it's an independent film. And I, had a, I have a lot of friends who, you know, do independent films and, you know, they get killed because people illegally download the films and, and don't buy them. And, you know, we really, we love this project and we put a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears into it. And we want to make a franchise out of it. And, you know, the only way to do that is if the film actually make, makes a profit. So, um, you have some franchise experience because you created the final destination franchise. And when I was reading about you, the most fascinating story that I had never heard 
because uh, we, we don't hang out that much. We see each other in passing at different events. And I was walking out of Logan and I saw you <laughs> at the, randomly in yes. the arc. And, uh, and um, so I, see, I just see you in movie theaters and stuff. And it's great to have you on the show now. But the story that I thought was amazing, and tell me if it's true or not, because the internet lies, uh, is that when you're 14, you were right. You wrote that prequels synopsis treatment and sent it to New Line, hoping that Bob Shea, you know, the, the house that Freddie built, would read it and maybe bring you in and be like, "Hey, this genius." And you hear stories like that of like George R. R. Martin writing Marvel fan letters and things like that. Like his first published work was a Marvel fan letter that he sent to Stan Lee and things. But you, as a 14-year-old, you wrote yeah. uh, what you thought would be a cool concept as a prequel to Friday the 13th, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. which was my favorite. And uh, and they, they wouldn't read it. They can't legally read that stuff because if they use it, they got to do something. You know, you could lawyer up. Yeah. And, and well, the funny thing is it, it is a true story. And, um, you know, I was 14 years old. I always joke because I'm like this 14-year-old hillbilly up in the hills of Kentucky. And I saw Nightmare on Elm Street blew me away it's still my favorite movie of all time and um and so yeah i wrote a prequel idea and sent it to bob shea and he sent it back because it was didn't go through an agent sure. they, they don't want to they can't read stuff that doesn't go through an agent because you could sue them yeah you know it makes them pretty susceptible to things but um i didn't know any better so i wrote him back and i'm like look sir i've spent three dollars on your projects and i've seen three of your movies so you can take five minutes to read my story and he read it and he got back to me um and he thanked me for my aggressive introduction. <laughs> Gave me some constructive criticism. And that was right after Dream Warriors. No, this was Nightmare. This was original. This, okay. I was oh, you'd seen it three times is what you're saying. I'd seen, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street and then I saw Alone in the Dark. They did sure. that one and they did it. I, there was another one that they put out right. that I'd seen. So, so yeah, I was like, I've seen three of your films. And, um, oh, three of the New Line Three New Line films. films. So, yeah. And um, I ended up becoming pen pals with him and his assistant, Joy Mann, over wow. the, from 14 to 19 and then I went to New York when I was 19 to study theater at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for the summer. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to intern at New Line. I was like, hell yeah. And they were still over there. Yeah. They yeah. were They were, um, They were. were up near. They were at near um, uh, 42nd Street. Kind of where they, MTV ended up. In the in, kind of, sh- yeah. they were in the scary part of <laughs> Oh, so Hell's Kitchen. This was, yeah, this was before they moved up to uh, 7th Avenue. Right. To the Ritzy building. The only, when I, when I lived in New York, but this was circa... 2000 summer 99 i spent there at mtv and then i in 2001 i went to i was when i moved out there to go to columbia and it was still hell's kitchen but i imagine it, it's clinton it was now. less hell it was now less like, hellish now they call there. it like clinton or something that's all van but but i remember some nights you're like okay i don't want to be hanging out here too much i can only imagine what like removing a couple giuliani years off of that oh, yeah. meant because he really cleaned that place up. It turned into Disneyland around Times Square, but starting headed to the water. And you go now, and there's like running paths and things. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like no, super it was, nice. It was scary when I first started working there. They were just like, you know, a couple of our executives got, you know, mugged walking <laughs> from the subway station. Finally, they're like, we need to move. Like, right. This is ridiculous. But that's um, where Daredevil takes place. Yeah. You know it right there in Hell's yeah. Kitchen. So you guys. That's what that's old school Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. That is old school Hell's Kitchen, and, and in the Marvel MCU, because of the incident, the Shatari invasion in Avengers, it's destroyed that part of the city a bit and set it back a few. You know, so uh, that's how they muddied it up again. For, Make it for the, dirty. Yeah, yeah, that's how they made it dirty and gritty again because it's got no personality now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got gentrified. Zero it's really pretty. Yeah, it it really sucks, man. If there's not a fear of getting knifed, it's not New York City. <laughs> um. That's cool. That's cool. And and so you ended up uh, their intern. Yeah, I um, interned and in, and in basically I started off in the story department, but then mm-hmm. um, 
over the course of probably two years, I had ended up filling in for everybody's assistant. So they created a floater position for me so that if anybody's assistant was out, I could just fill in for them. So like if Bob's assistant left or somebody in marketing. So I floated around for a couple of years, um, worked in accounting for a couple of years. In my last five years, I was in marketing and television um, wow. under Bob Friedman. So, in w- What was happening in television there? Because when you think about New Line, you only think, you know, and this is in the 90s? Uh, yeah. Nineties up till two thousand and one. Right, and so Jeff Katz was starting to be there as well. Yeah, Jeff was. The, it was funny. Jeff was in L.A., and so Jeff was like the L.A. version of me, where he wrote Bob a, when he was like a sure. teenager. He wrote Bob a letter as well, and then got on in L.A. So we finally ended up meeting and becoming friends. And we're like, we were, our joke was like, "I'm the brown Jeff, and he's the white Jeff." <laughs> and the um, thing about <laughs> Jeff Katz, just to fill you guys in, Geekscape, is Jeff Katz ended up being the guy who really pushed for stuff like Freddy versus Jason. He pushed for things like shoot 'em up. Uh, and he also pushed for like snakes on a plane. Yeah, you know, and he did so. a he did a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash treatment, and he did. turned it into the comic book. So that was uh-huh. pretty awesome. I guess Dynamite ended up putting up that comic, or somebody in they weren't. It wasn't bad. No, no, it was a, it was a cool idea. You know, the fans would have loved Freddy versus yeah. Jason versus Ash. Uh, what do you do with that? You know, it's yeah. like it's all it, it'd be pretty awesome. And I liked Freddy versus Jason. I did too. I did too. We went through so many. I mean, it was just. And you were like there a, during all that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I, I loved the time that I was there. It was. It was really the golden years because it, by the time I got there, I think they were up to Nightmare Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they were. You know, they were doing the Mask and Dumb and Dumber and Blade and House Party. And you said it, they were at Nightmare Four when you got there. I think it was Nightmare Four. And that's the Rennie Harlan one. Yeah, that's the the. That's awesome. I love Nightmare Four. I mean, people. Is that your favorite? Which is your favorite? Me. I mean, well, the original is your favorite. Original is my favorite. But of the sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street, what do you think? Well, I love Six. Uh huh. Um, and then I—that's new nightmare. New nightmare. Yeah. And then I—I I, love—I love four over three. And I know people hate oh. me for saying that, but the—the the only reason is I'm—I'm I'm such a big comic geek, and sure. I started reading comics when I was, you know, like twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. That I love the idea of the Dream Warriors so much that it just—even even though I was young, it irked me that it's, it's like okay, each character would get one second to fight Freddy, and then he would just kill them. And then they sure. would move on to another This character. isn't Dungeons & Dragons, kid. So, yeah, so part of me was like, I didn't feel like they executed, like, I didn't, I know that they changed the script a lot, like, there was another draft that Wes Craven wrote, and they changed it really quickly mm-hmm. before shooting. So I just didn't feel the execution of the idea was what it could have been. But I know visual, special effects-wise, they couldn't afford to probably do a, I, I thought like, an Avengers one. Dream. And they killed Nancy. That they pissed did. me. That In number three, they killed Nancy, yeah. pissed me off. So you had, like, you have no idea how much I've And Chuck Russell, like, like, I think, I've always liked him. Yeah. Obviously, he did go on to do The Mask and, and stuff like that. Um, but in The Blob, he did the, the, oh, yeah. the 80s Blob. Yeah. And Chuck Russell's one of those, uh, I think he did Scorpion King, too. He's one of those, those like, work for, like, directors who just comes in and does the genre stuff pretty well. Yeah. Um, believe he did the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Eraser. He did. Yeah. Um, but he was one of those careers. I was like, oh, I, you know, not a, not a, not a bad. He's, not had a, he's done and he's had a really good career. I was like, not a bad like pitch hitter genre director who just kills it. The Mask is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The Mask is a really well made movie, and I do have a very soft spot in my heart for Dream Warriors because that is the one where I mean, no, Nightmare Two is just effing weird, and there's something really cool about that. It is now, but when you're watching it, that's what I kind of tell people, like. When you're watching it, when it comes out, like you see that first movie, which is right. so terrifying. It's incredible. And, and every time it comes back in theaters for one night only or something yeah. like that, I'm there. Yeah, me too. It's a, it's phenomenal yeah. and it holds up and it's incredible. And then the second one comes out and it's like a comedy. Mm-hmm. Almost. Like so making it, out on the phone with Freddy or the, it, the, 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 the you got the bus on top of the, 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 the pillar. Yeah, and it's, 
exploding parrots and it, sure. you know so it was it was it was, <laughs> right. it was it was such a comedy that it was such a it was just such a shot and then freddie like you know comes out of the dream world and it, it you know it just didn't hmm. after that first one was so scary the second one i felt needed to kind of top that and it went in a completely different direction so it was so tonally different that at the time it was doomed to fail but now you can kind of look back at it and enjoy it for like the camp value mm-hmm. um i do yeah no it, 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 to me it feels like the season of the witch of the nightmare on Elm yeah. street movies is the one that's kind of just the weird one yeah and I, I, and I do love season of the witch for what it is but come on that's not really a halloween yeah. movie <laughs> that's why i like four because i because i thought this rennie harlan's style he's got such a stylistic way that mm-hmm. he shot that film i didn't like that they killed off all, spoilers i'm sure, sure. you've seen them by now but right. i don't like how they just killed off all the dream warriors at the beginning I, that annoyed me but i just thought Kruger, <laughs> you pussy in the dog in the dog fire. Pissing fire i love that but that's cool Kruger, but, you pussy <laughs> you know, but, it's, the trash. Yeah, but it's it's so well shot and so it's so beautifully shot and there's I, some visceral moments like when the, when he's on the motorcycle the motorcycle starts going into going, his arms right. and stuff like that yeah. that is fucking awesome yeah and i love that the idea of the dream master i like the, her absorbing their powers but i just I, i'd hope that that would kind of up the ante i mean that's what i think they should do now they should just do a you know a dream warriors remake you mm-hmm. know instead of a nightmare on elm street sequel they should they have the technology now to really do a kick-ass dream warriors especially now that there are superheroes in yeah. a lot of movies and there are powers and things like that and then you have universal's revamp of the monster lineup and yeah. they want to do a shared universe on that end um you have to start wondering like what what is new line god i mean that that nightmare the the friday 13th that they ended up not doing over at paramount you know that was that was they were gonna do and now they're not gonna do and then you have this halloween movie that am i right in in thinking that this new halloween is the one that um that uh, david gordon green's in charge of or is he doing friday 13th Um, is it halloween it's david gordon green and uh danny mcbride and they're doing the one new, of those okay. and they're, I, I think they're I think doing Halloween. I think they're doing Halloween, and I like the idea of somebody who has as much unique storytelling abilities as Danny McBride, and who's also an Alien uh, Covenant coming up. Right, like it's kind of cool. And of course, we got uh, who do we have in the uh, the Predator movie? Mister, um, uh, not Jordan Peele, but Keegan. Uh, 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 how do you say his it's full a, name? Don't you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like from Key and Peele. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's cool that comedians are doing this stuff because you definitely don't want them to die. Right. You need some lev- levity in those movies Absolutely. and you definitely have them. And I, that's what I loved about Freddy was he was the levity in his own movies. Right. Right. Um, I did, was not a big fan of the Jekyll Haley uh, Nightmare on Elm Street redo. You know, the funny you know? thing is I, I th- because I'm such a big fan of the original mm-hmm. and I saw the Friday 13th remake and loathed it. Um, right so i'm like well i'm gonna that was the platinum night. dunes one yeah 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 just because i like the first 20 minutes and all of a sudden it's like another movie's cramp like a really short movie take comes over sure. and takes over um so i was like well i didn't like that one and and i did the day of the day we can talk about that later but you know yeah i can't so you know there I, might be there might be a question waiting for you for oh, the I'm geeks sure, kids sure there, from day sure of the day uh, jeffrey oh, i'm sure there is <laughs> um so I don't look down on remakes. Like I think that they're fine, um, and they don't negate the first. They don't one. negate the first one. And right, actually, erase your VHS. Tapes. Right. It bring you know. If anything, sometimes I think it can have people go back to see the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I was going to hate, hate Nightmare more than I did. It wasn't a good movie. I didn't like that they took the iconic moments from the original one and they just did, just didn't do anything like the bathtub scene. Right. It's like oh, nothing happens in the bathtub, and 
It was visual. Would, Sam Bayer is a very visual director, but it looked beautiful. But yeah, uh, yeah, we're gonna slam Tina against the wall really hard. A, a couple, you know, and but um, I didn't. Di- I thought it was silly for them to try to play it like you didn't know if Freddie was really guilty or not because of mm-hmm. course he's guilty. So, um, but I didn't hate it as much as I disliked the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Right. So and while we're talking about the major three like the mike myers remakes that like what do you think of those rob zombie ones that when he got the hold of halloween one and two like are those are you down with them or you know it's it's interesting i and i and i hate to talk about other people's goal you know and we're, rob we're zombie gonna, i respect because he has a get, really cool visual he's got style a very, like he has he's a got, great grasp of color and texture and i'm like shit man this guy really right. gets like that Film can affect you on a on a on, on a visceral level, right? And he gets that he's very and again, I grew up like in Eastern Kentucky, so he kind of gets that kind of you know backwoods backwoods kind of vibe, which which I can really appreciate. But I, I think my issue with the Halloween remake was it was like the first hour was like you know the kid story, and then all of a sudden it was like they remade Halloween in like thirty minutes. You know what I'm saying? So they took yeah. all the set pieces. So I just I wasn't you know make something fresh. Yeah, it was like you know I felt it could have. He need, could have gone one way or the other a little further, and I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I do like the um, the intensity of it, though. Right. And I love Daniel Harris. You know, just love her. I thought she's brilliant. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it was Bray Grant in one of those? She was in the second one. She was in the second yeah. one. And now she's in this movie, Dead Awake. Dead Awake, yeah. opens May 12th, and you guys, it's day and date. So if you're sitting on, on your PlayStation 4 playing your games... And you got access to the internet on that thing, which you do because you know you're playing Overwatch. Pause the game, go back to it in a few hours, download this movie, watch it, rent it, and uh, you know, give it a couple downloads, legal downloads, legal. <laughs> because yeah. you know all that stuff, especially on an independent level, especially looking at a week where there may or may not have been a strike. Um, this stuff really affects us on a very very immediate level yeah and it's that's not a, like a trickle down thing it's not like it's gonna you know it's like people are like oh but those stars are so rich and they make someone they don't make i mean guys like jeffrey like the this stuff affects them immediately yeah yeah and it affects everybody um you know everybody that you know because this film was also independently financed mm-hmm. so you know we have the you know producers and investors who put their own money into it so this really was a labor of a labor of love and most independent films are mm-hmm. and you know that's why there's always kind of a disconnect because people see the final destination franchise you know, but that that movie came out 17 years ago. Um, I wrote it when I was five. When that thing started up, you were still at New Line, and obviously there, now you're at New Line, and they know you very well, and you're spitballing ideas, and you're working on things, and that idea came out of what? You know what? I um, the the kernel for the idea. I was flying home to Kentucky, and and I read an article about a woman who was on. Um, vacation and her mother called her and told her to switch flights you know mm-hmm. don't take the flight home tomorrow that you're on have a bad feeling about it and she switched flights and the plane that she was supposed to be on crashed so wow. i that planted the kernel in my idea uh, or the kernel of the idea in my head and i didn't couldn't figure out a story for it but then back in those days you had to write something for a spec script we still kind of do for tv because mm-hmm. they know that you can write your own voice but they want to see that you can write other characters as well so the x-files was like my favorite tv show and um so i wrote an episode of the x-files and used that as kind of a you know, the, the story plot and um, had Scully's brother be the one that had the premonition. She had a brother, uh, Charles, that we didn't see, really see. But you referenced him in a few episodes. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I decided to bring him into the, you know, because yeah, when you do a guy. spec, you're like, oh, you want to make it stand out. So, um, but one of my friends, Mark Kaufman at New Line, you know, read the pilot. He's like, this is great. You should 
write this as a feature. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. T- don't waste it on a TV show. So I, I never sent it to the X-Files show. People think that, you know, that's that's online that I submitted it, and but I never submitted it to the show actually. But yeah, I hooked up with a, a friend of mine, Chris Bender, who used to work at New Line Cinema with me, started working for the two producers, Warren Zide and Craig Perry. And they were looking for horror films and they're like, send us your ideas over. So I sent them like five or six ideas over and they really sparked a final destination and we developed it. And, you know, because I knew at the time, because I worked at New Line, that they wouldn't take me as seriously um, well, taking an idea. So I, had to go, so I had to go outside of New Line to a production company or producers that had a deal at New Line. And oh, wow. it was still a hard sell because they... They couldn't write. Little their, Jeffrey. Yeah. Little Jeffrey. Really Jeffrey thinks the, he can write. Send it in those Isn't books. he adorable? That's cute. Get my cappuccino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, uh, um, so, yeah, so I went to Craig Perry, and um, but they couldn't wrap their head around death being a killer. Right. Like they were like, okay. you can't fight death. How are you going to make this into a movie? Sure. And it literally got to the point where we, we, at first it was adults that didn't know each other, and then it was like Scream came out, and mm-hmm. um, so we made them teenagers, and we just kept reworking, and finally Craig's like, all right, I'm bringing this back to you guys one more time. If you don't buy it, we're going to Dimension. Oh, we're like, oh, we're buying shit. it. Yeah, the thre- <laughs> yeah the, he threw it down. He threw it down. So um, so they bought it, and we had a, you know, and... Got the Weinstein boys on the phone over there. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> then they then they got it. <laughs> wow. And, um, yeah, it was great. And, I, you know, I stayed at New Line through the first one. Um, you know, just, I, you know, it, it was weird because I grew up there. I was from 19 to... You know, so I didn't really know any other world. So I never thought to like, oh, I should leave and go to L.A. Uh, I'm like, oh, I can just do this, you know, and I'll keep my job. And people are like, why are you still working at New Line? I'm like, I love it here. Um, but then after I sold the story for the second one, I was like, all right, let me just time to be a big boy and go out in the real world and, start doing and be a real writer. writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the joke that I've said on the show before, the, the Final Destination joke, is whenever I'm in traffic and I look at the car next to me and it's some girl just putting on eyeliner at the red light. I always, or somebody's doing something silly, like if they barely get bumped, that eyeliner's going to go right. in, or that it's going to go into their eyeball right. or something. Whenever <laughs> I see something like that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm an extra in her Final Destination movie. <laughs> and it just takes that one thing for the mouse trap to start. What are the names of those devices? Rube Goldberg. The Rube Goldberg yeah. device. It just takes that one little bump for it to start. And I'm fucking sitting here next to her. And in three minutes, we're, three minutes, we're all going to be dead and exploded across yeah. the, the intersection. Um, so just be on the lookout, guys. You never know when you're in somebody else's Final Destination movie. Um, and then, uh, so w- the sequels, were you that involved or you not that involved in uh, it? I was with the second one because, mm-hmm. um, I, I, again, I wrote the story for that one. Um, and so they bought my story and, and Eric Bress and J. Mackey Gruber um, came on and they had a story as well. So they combined our stories and they wrote the script for the second one. Um, and I've been in touch. You know, Craig Perry is a, a really dear friend of mine. He's, a, he's also... I mean, he's a wonderful producer, just creatively, but he's a wonderful person, and he's also like he's a he's a geek, you know. Right. Like you'll see him at like these small little horror gatherings, that, like Jeff Katz. Yeah, like you would never, you know, it's like Craig Perry, like you'd never right. expect him to be there. It's but, a dark dog because he's every weekend. Yeah, he just he, you know, and so he's like one of us, and he's he respects the genre, and he, but he's also such a smart business guy. So I mean, I stay in touch with him, and you know, we we talk about ideas, and you know, like you know, I knew what was going to happen at the end of. I don't, you know, I don't want to spoil that in case people haven't seen it. The fifth one. Yeah. So I knew, I knew, I knew where part five was going. And so, so I kind of know, and I'm friends with Tony Todd as well. So, you know, we kind of, you know, I'm still, you know, tied with that group of friends. And, um, so are you, are you saying that you guys are slowly ruminating on a way to maybe give us either a six or some offshoot that might be able to, because everything's franchised these days, you know what I mean? And you guys have one that's obviously recognizable. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because, um, I think there, there are so many different, 
yeah, there are so many different ways that you could go with the sequel, and it it really just it is the stars kind of aligning, you know, where the studio mm-hmm. kind of wants to do 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 another one, um, and and the right idea. So you know, I'm always talking to to Craig and Tony, and you know, if something sparks, something sparks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Would it be called Final Destination, knowing that those weren't the final destinations either? Yeah, it, you know. Of course, they would have to. <laughs> they'd have to call it Final Destination just because of the brand right. The finaler destination. This is the finalest the destination finalist you're ever going to see ever. Really, the final Super, destination. Like we mean, yeah, final destination. We mean it this time. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that was the only thing with the title because uh, you know originally it was called Flight 180. But mm. I, I I told them I was like you know if we make a sequel, you know we we're stuck with flight. You know right. So it's either going to have to be all these planes. 182, 183. <laughs> right. Um, but then one of my friends, Brett Leitner, that I that I worked with at New Line, you know, he came he came to me one day. He's like, you know, what about Final Destination? You know, they say that when you're getting off a plane, and that's kind of like your Final oh, Destination life. And I'm like, very tight. Whoa, you blew my mind, Brett. And that's uh, it. That's a title. You and know so, it when you know it. You, you know, know it when you know it. Yeah. So um, so it, even though it also you know you're setting yourself up for a joke with sure. sequels. Um, yeah, that some hack but, podcast host is going to get through you. No, day. please. No, it's not even a podcast. It's every, you know, it's anybody it. on right. the internet. It's like, You oh. lied to me about that being final. Yeah. Right. I spent my money because I thought it was final. What well, did Stifler die? Well, you know, the, well, that's the that was the issue with the final destination is um, that one ironically came out right before the, you know, got went into production as a writer's strike was happening. Right. So they had to rush that one into production and they called it the final destination. And you know, in horror, you don't do that unless you're. It's the final chapter where you're going to kind of give Which some done ins- a few times, right? But but usually, it's like within at least with the final chapter, it could have ended there, and sure. you, you had your resolution. Um, and so everybody kind of went into this one going, "We're going to get answers about like who Tony Todd is and what's going on with this." And the movie didn't have any. It, you know, it was just a sequel. Sure, you know, with with no answers. So and it was in 3D. So that movie made bank. It did better than. Any of the other ones. It was the height of that 3D thing where everybody, Jackass was doing 3D, everybody yeah. was doing 3D. It was, yeah. And people thought they were going to get some answers and then they left and they're like, I didn't, that was just a sequel. Did people so, hate, hate on you for that? Um, well, I didn't write it. They hated on everybody <laughs> right. else. But, like, but you know, they hated on it because they, they were expecting answers, I think. What, which know. one is that? Which is the one with the carnival? Um, that's the third one. The third final one. destination is, Na- is NAS- NASCAR. Okay. Well, you don't want to be around there. To yeah. the final destination, do any moving parts, but, um, going at high speeds. But it's a fun, you know, it's a fun movie. But it, they, it isn't getting, didn't give any answers. So you you sure. can't, you can't you know in horror you really you have to let fans kind of know what they're in for when they're going in. Because um, I'll go watch you know I'll go watch any kind of horror movie. I don't care. And you know as long as I kind of know what it is. Like if I don't care if it's like a the budget's like five hundred dollars. If I go know going in it's a five hundred dollar horror movie. Then I set my expectations accordingly, sure. and I enjoy the movie. But. And something like It Follows or The Babadook, like those were all indies that did really well, yeah. but they had the kernel of a very strong idea, yeah. a very strong concept. Um, I'm going to the Ren Fair, and as you know, as of the release of this episode, I will have gone to the Ren Fair. I might be <laughs> so I might be dead, but I'm so going meta. to the Ren Fair, <laughs> and the Ren Fair could be my final destination. No, don't ever say. You know, like some that. dude, you know, I could get like stabbed by like a turkey leg or something, or like an errant. Like, do they do Lansing at the thing? Do they do the joust? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't been there. You haven't been to the Renford? No, you're, I've heard. You're leaving. But oh, no, they have go. dinner there. And they, I think they do do the jousting Dude, stuff. What about this for Final Destination? Medieval Times, they'll sponsor it, put some money in it. They're at a Medieval Times. They're chowing down. Dudes are out there doing the joust, doing the stuff. And then shit goes bad, Medieval style. And then, hey, the poster, get Medieval. 
Because they've really never funny. put that on a poster before. That's so funny. <laughs> well, no, but I don't know if you ever saw the... Uh, and do people just pitch you stupid-ass concepts for high destinations? Um, I, I usually can't. I usually stop them from it just yeah. because... The only reason is be just legally, legally yeah. legal, just for legal stuff. Like, go ahead and use the medieval times thing. No, it's well, dumb the, enough. No, but did you? Did you? The funny thing is, there was they. There was actually they were pushing a concept at one point, and there's a there's a trailer online for it that was kind of like Final Destination meets Game of Thrones, where it was like set in medieval times. You mm-hmm. can Google it, and um, that they, that was one of the ideas they were they were actually pushing for a while. But oh, it, wow, yeah, like just to show that death is timeless, you know, and that and that it, that's just Game of Thrones. <laughs> Because you're so invested in every single one of those characters. Right. And you know most of most them are going to go. die. Yeah. So, guys, Final Destination Game of Thrones is just Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, that's not an idea. Yeah. It's just Game of Thrones. But the tra- look at the trailer. The trailer actually looks pretty cool. I was like, that's actually But this is awesome. something somebody made? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not were, just a parody trailer It's or not a parody trailer. It's a project it's a, somebody actually a, wants to it's do. A, it's a, it was a concept trailer. Um, oh. Yeah, but it did... It didn't go anywhere, but I, I I thought it was 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 pretty cool actually. That is cool, man. And somebody like tagged you on Twitter or something. Was like Jeff Reddy, you got to see this thing, man. No, I think um I think they actually somebody involved with the studio. I think it was actually oh, wow. yeah made with the idea of of actually potentially going that direction for a sequel. And the thing with New Line, obviously they got a ton of Peter Jackson money. Like they ended up getting a ton of money yeah. off Lord of the Rings. And then what? happened because that was the studio that freddie built and then when stuff like i mean the it was the, did the golden compass just end it no you know what happened was you know um, they talk about the golden compass being the yeah, one that was just no. like the big spend that no that's, didn't that's turn cool out. um no new line the thing was warner brothers you know bought new line and mm-hmm. you know every time a corporation buys a smaller company you know they absorb it right and they're like well you know we have you know we're we have people doing what you're doing um you know, so they they just. I mean, it was hor- It was it was really bad. I mean, they pretty much everybody in New York that I had worked with, hundreds of people. They just fired them hundreds. all. Hundreds just fired them all. Fired most of the LA office. Um, they used to be over here on Robertson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they were still there for a while. I think that they might even still have a floor there or something. But sure. you know, there's a there's still some people left from New Line that worked there. Um, and I know they didn't want to let the label go because it was so recognizable. Especially after Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. they used that label at the beginning of The Hobbits as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. So, you know, it, so, it, you know, it was, it was, it was just a, it was, it's business. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to like not take things personally. I didn't work there when it happened, but I was pretty devastated because a lot of my really lifelong friends just got thrown on the streets. It was, it was awful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there wasn't any, thing bad that new line did to like have that happen it's just you know businesses and corporations they just you know they don't, right. they don't care so somebody's been working there for 20 years they don't care and what are they going to do with freddie have you heard anything that they're going to do with the freddie i mean come on man we got to get let's get you a gig let's let's have you do this this freddie thing man let's call up wes oh let's, let's, what's that call up wes on a let's, board. Let's just call him, oh no let's call up his people let's call up his estate you're right we oh, did lose God. wes that is sad it was and we lost it was um it was it was really because I was, thinking, it, I was thinking of John Carpenter who no. our, I we have you know like our friend Gavin Hignite who's been on Geekscape is good friends with he's always shooting his music videos for his music right so I was my sincere apologies horror fans I was absolutely thinking of John Carpenter who we love and we are so glad he's still with us yeah. yeah Wes is gone yeah that was really sad and he he actually passed on the the day that we finished shooting Dead Awake and so I didn't like I went to bed that night and I shut my phone off at night and um, I woke up the next morning and my phone was just blowing text messages and stuff. I'm like, and I thought something happened with the film. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, crap. And so it was, it was like people just calling me to let me know that he died because I know he was such a big influence on me. And um, 
Yeah, it was just a really, I mean, I only had the pleasure of meeting him like twice, um, but just his influence on me and, you know, my life has just been phenomenal. So I saw him at a screening of one of his last movies, the one with the Ripper that he did. It was one where, what was the name of this movie Universal put out? And the um, Seventh, uh, Seven Souls or um, something like something, that. Yeah. yeah. It, in in you were like, I don't want this to be his last week because it wasn't great. But then, of course, he did that last Scream movie that I thought was really good. Yeah, I, enjoyed I actually it. really enjoyed the I last Scream movie because it had the distance from the originals and it could reference the originals. And it was kind of cool to have a, a franchise that's about horror movies start to be about itself. Yeah. And it was just as fun and um, surprising as the original one was, yet tonally and it was it was it aligned pretty nicely yeah um definitely that. recommend it it's kind of cool to have those four movies not really have any dips in quality no, no throughout all of them yeah i can watch all of them and, and it's very rare yeah. yeah so shout out to wes um you know if they do anything with friday third or nightmare on elm street like that is the franchise that i think right now with the effects being where they are again with that comic book style of yeah of action i think I they mean, should do dream i think they literally should do dream wars because i just call it Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors yeah. and make it like almost like the beginning of a new franchise. Yeah, yeah they could totally do that. It was funny because I'm I was one of the many people who pitched for for Freddy versus Jason and mm-hmm. and my idea was actually to bring um, Tina with telekinesis from Part Seven of Friday the Thirteenth, bring her um, Alice Alice and her son Jacob who would be, now be a teenager because you mm-hmm. get teenagers in your horror films. Um, and then I created this new character who could like lucid dream so she could control dreams and I brought them together to like fight Freddy. You know who paired up with Jason? So, it was right. a, but New Line was like, oh, it's too, it's too dark and violent because it was really sure. dark and serious, and you know, I think there was a comic book aspect to it that made it still a safe movie to make because right. you could get, you could still get some of those fans. And there's a, I mean, by the end of those those Friday Thirteenth movies, there was a lot of comedy too. I mean, right. when he take, I mean, by Jason takes Manhattan, you know, and especially yeah. like. Like Todd Farmer, who wrote the script for Jason X, like, but that stuff is like so fun, right? It's like, okay, you know, we're having fun with this thing. He's fun. in space, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. And um, and I think that now, if you, the, my, what worries me about horror and as a screenwriter, everybody wants those contained horrors, and I'm so sick of it. Yeah, like clearly, you know, this stuff works. People are into it. You can keep the budgets down. You can keep the cast down. You can do it. And it, it is very hard to do well. Um, something like Don't Breathe does it well. Like these movies do do well. But understand from our perspective as writers, there are so many of those scripts out there because everyone is asking for these right. things because they're so producible. You can make them for cheap and then turn them around for a profit that it is really hard to cut yourself from the chaff of all yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah. And I think I told my manager, like, hey, man, I'm purposely, and if, even if it means going hungry, I cannot write a contained horror movie because they're not the horror movies I grew up with. Right. Well, and here's the, here's the, here's the, the real truth. And on then we're going to talk about Dead Awake. Okay. No. I, and, and how it's maybe different <laughs> or the same or whatever. <laughs> it's a contained um, horror movie. No. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you jerk. But no, but um, the, th- the thing with that model, and I understand it from a business point of view, but everybody keeps trying to model it after the Blumhouse model. Sure. And the difference with Blumhouse is they have a proven track record. So somebody like Ethan Hawke, you know, they can get a, a, a movie star to be in their yeah. movie and give them back end on the movie. And there's every chance that they're going to see a profit on that because Jason Blum has proven that model 
works for him. He's very smart. He's not working with first time filmmakers. Right. He doesn't work with, with first time directors and filmmakers. Um, and he has a track record where he can get an, a, a movie star to be in his film. Mm-hmm. And the problem is you have people that don't have those track records, you know, that are They're wanting to like cop that want to copy that. They're like, well, they got Ethan Hawke and Jason Blumhouse movie. It's like, yeah, because he knows he's going to get real back in. You're not going to get via for me. You're not going to get, get these people. You're not going to get these people for your film. Um, and so it's it's been a blessing and a curse, and it's been a blessing to show that you don't need stars, even though the Blumhouse movies have stars. But it's been a curse because now everybody wants to make those movies, but the investors still want you to have a bunch of stars in your film. And it's like they're not going to take a chance on you know if you're not under the Blumhouse label, they're not going to take a chance and be in your film for no money so so instead they maybe start going in the direction of these final of these not final um on these um paranormal activity movies right and then i mean this found footage stuff it got out of control for a while and i think yeah. it still is with like this phoenix right what was the phoenix phoenix ascending phoenix right yeah that phoenix. one just came out and like and it it was nothing. It I haven't didn't, seen it. It didn't really do anything. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a chance. I, I <laughs> That's the other worry. Is like it's either a found footage movie or a contained horror movie. And the imaginations, like from my perspective, the imagination of what is actually terrifying, which is the concept, it gets very limited because yeah. you immediately have to start thinking of concepts that can work as found footage or found or as a contained space. Right. And well, and don't breathe. Well, I don't forget what the budget was on that, but that's not a typical. That was cool. Low budget because they, you know, they. I mean, they obviously had money to to make that movie. And and they Alvarez had, is very talented. Yeah, and they had some great talent. I mean, the Percy Jackson lead mm-hmm. was in. I mean, they had some, they had stars in that one. But um, I I will say I did see um, this movie found footage three D. What's it, what's found, it called? F- found footage three D. It's literally called found footage three yeah, D. And it's and it's really awesome. Scott Weinberg, um, I he's in it. Um, and, and it's some a, of my friends. It's, and, a, it's parody though. It's a it's it's not a parody. It's about these it's about these filmmakers who want to make a film. And okay. like, we've got it. We think we got to think of a gimmick because everybody's done this to death. And the guy's like, "We'll do it in 3D." Okay. And the director's like, "What the f are you talking about? Doing <laughs> yeah, it in 3D? You can't this do is found ridiculous." Footage, yeah. And um, can I say fuck? I'm yes. Like, okay. Okay. Say what, it what the f? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not a prude now that I've now that I learned like, <laughs> it's going to start. You know. Um, and so they go out. They go out to this place where some bad things have happened to start filming and they get out there and two of the actors were married when they started working on the film but now they're divorced so they hate each other and the, the they they get out there and the you know writer's like look i'll tell you all the rest of the story when we get there i'm just wanted to be fresh and they get out there and they realize he hasn't finished his script we're gonna find it um and so we're gonna yeah right and so we're gonna find it, it so the humor all comes from anybody who you, you don't have to know filmmaking at all to enjoy it but it's it's kind of the idea because they 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 play it for straight mm-hmm. and it gets really scary and really dark, but oh. it starts off hysterical because it's like you know they're like we got you know they they want to make a movie that's hard to do but that's very cool and, yeah they, so really it actually well. starts out as a bit of a comedy a bit of like remember American movie and how awesome that was oh, the yeah. documentary on actually making an indie horror movie yeah. like if you guys haven't seen that documentary yeah. American movie it's really awesome it's yeah. about the making of a horror film uh, on a very independent like sixteen millimeter level. Um, and so it kind of goes like that, and then it turns into an actual horror movie. It turns because there's cool. actually something. There's there is something where they're is shooting it in at. 3D. Um, it is in 3D. <laughs> it is in <laughs> that's 3D. Awesome. I think that's cool. Um, yeah, that's like a triple hat trick that they just pulled. Yeah, and um, and uh, I think they're getting distribution. I mean, because I saw it, I'm like, this movie's like freaking great. Yeah, it just it's really when it comes out. That's awesome. You definitely that one you should check out because it's just okay. the care. It's all you know because it's always about characters and and. Again, because it's kind of a little self-referential, like scream, mm-hmm. you know. So it's yeah. The guys like the writers, like, well, you know, I didn't actually finish this movie. There, he's like, but we didn't. We have to shoot it now, or we aren't, we're not going to have right. any money. And the director's like, what? That? It has It's great. It's a lot of fun. And um, Geekscapists, if you're really into horror, you're enjoying this conversation with Jeffrey and I. You should probably check out our podcast on the Geekscape website. We have a podcast that our friends Matt Kelly 
and uh, Scott Rogers and, and and I don't know Adam what's that? what's your last name Adam uh, they're the hosts of the uh, horror movie night podcast and what they do is uh, they take a suggestion from the audience on what horror movie to review they all watch it they make notes on it and then they get together with you guys and review it for you and uh, it's actually really it's a really awesome podcast and I'm really proud of it and so it's up on the Geekscape website at geekscape.net so uh, search for it on SoundCloud iTunes but uh, it's called horror movie night and it is an awesome podcast and a couple of them sent in questions for jeff we'll get to those but we've been beating around the bush oh yeah i know I'm, I'm sure i'm Let's sure, like, the, talk I'm sure about the director the and everybody involved in did away because like when it's like when is he gonna start talking about, about this movie <laughs> all right my apologies i'm so interested in jeff and like his view on things that like we all grew up on that i was like i've got to hear his view on this stuff if i let him just talk about dead awake he'll leave after 15 minutes <laughs> so this this film starring Bray grant dark friend uh what is what is the story on this thing where did it come from um it's it's an interesting story um some producers brought me just some news articles on sleep okay. paralysis which i was unaware i didn't know it but i had it once in my life dude I've, i suffer from it regularly most what they say one in three people um is going to have it once in their life before they die i wake so, up with blood on my hands really like no, i oh. made that up oh. but but i do have like sleep apnea and then sleep paralysis where i'll wake up and i'll consciously be awake but i can't move my body right and it's terrifying yeah. and i'm trying to like tell myself my finger to twitch i'm like twitch twitch and that's the comment yeah that sometimes was the- i mumble wake me up if i'm sleeping next to somebody i'm like trying to say like push me or something right so yeah no I, the, and i didn't know how common it was until i started reading about it and then i started reading the history of it and you know they because a lot of people report seeing something on their chest like choking them and a lot of people oh. say, say it's an old hag so Uh-oh. that's where the term haggard comes from depends um, on what kind of party i have the night before. <laughs> <laughs> i try not to have too that many could, too yeah. many old hags could, sitting on my chest that could be a Saturday, hey everybody's yeah. got their price yeah. jeff <laughs> um but that's where the term haggard comes from, is people thought that the night hag was sitting on people. And so you you, wow. you hear them talk about the hag in the Bible, that Shakespeare talks about it. Um, so when I started studying the history of this, um, it was just really fascinating. And then also it kind of gave me a way to get into that Nightmare on Elm Street space, mm. I, I, because people hallucinate and they see things. Um, so it, it kind of gave me a chance to like, this is a chance to create a story that's that's kind of in that world that I love. And, you know, you come up with some bumps because you're like okay well if everybody's been suffering this or a lot of people suffer this throughout history why aren't it why isn't everybody dying so then you had to kind of come up with a reason that kind of makes this story unique um and your characters unique so that you know so that you can kind of explain your way into this world as mm-hmm. to why so it became about belief like if you kind of know about this entity and you start believing in it then the it can kind of sense it, it can sense you and start coming after you huh. um oh, shit. and so yeah i just developed you know adult the story out of that and um you know, there it's 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 interesting because you know at the end of the day you have somebody who's laying in bed paralyzed. It's like okay, you got to make that scary, and they're helpless, and they're helpless, and you have to somehow as a, as a screenwriter or a filmmaker get in their head without them being active at all, physically, yeah. physically. Yeah, and so you have to like you have to come up with you know scary th- things that they're seeing and experiencing, mm-hmm. and um, but also Philip did a great job um, because there's the reality, there's a, the waking world. The director is. Oh, Philip Guzman. Okay. Great guy. Love him. Um, we're really good friends. He just finished another film called 200 Hours that I executive produced. Awesome. He's an amazing guy. Um, so there's the, rea- the real world, then there's the sleep paralysis world, and then there's a couple of nightmares. So there's like three different levels of reality. And he did it all with lighting because, uh, again, this was a, kind of an independent film, and it mm-hmm. looks looks amazing. And uh, we got a great cast. We got uh, Jocelyn Donahue playing... Uh, uh, twins, actually. So you Whoa. get twice the Jocelyn. Uh, we have <laughs> Jesse Bradley. You didn't have to pay her more. 
Did you? No, we didn't. She was, was like, I want to bump a, for this. She was a trooper. That's she was awesome. such a trooper. Um, we have Jesse Bradford, mm-hmm. uh, Lori Petty, Bria Grant. Um, I love all of them. Jesse Borrego, who is, I, I actually love him. He's been in so much stuff, but he was in fame. Oh, really? um, the original Jesse and fame. And I love the story with him is because they auditioned him. He I, is living forever. And uh, he is. And um, <laughs> he's awesome. And he, um, his story about fame is he auditioned and they, I guess his headshot got separated from his resume. So they didn't know how to contact him. So they put an ad out looking for him. That's awesome. For fame. And I'm like. And, they will know, not do that today. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> They'd be like, ah, screw it. We'll find somebody yeah. else. Uh, so, you know, we, we have just a really great cast. Where did you guys film it? Uh, San Antonio. Man, back home near me. Yeah, yeah, and it was really like there's a lot of local uh, Billy Madison who's got a big show back um, in Texas uh, is on it, and there's Doctor Genovese who's a pl- well known plastic surgeon. Okay, um, so there's just, yeah, just a lot of it, a lot. So of who does it follow? I mean, you have this concept that there's this it, literally like you, you start to see this hag on your chest or this this thing yeah, that hunts she's not you. Really, yeah, she it's this it's entity, a this yeah. entity that hunts you when it when it smells the, your when fear. Smells your fear. going to happen. Yeah, and and who do we follow in this? Uh, we follow uh, uh, Jocelyn Donahue, mm-hmm. um, who starts investigating it um, because one of her somebody because her sister's being like terrorized. Right, but and in investigating it, you open the door for this right. Thing to come and she doesn't real right. right. She doesn't realize that by starting to investigate it, she's opening the door and then. As she's getting people around her to believe in it as well. Oh, great! Now, now too, she's like put her family. Maybe a popular her, lady at the party yeah, now. Yeah, she's put her family and friends in danger. So <laughs> way to do that. Yeah, thanks, Jocelyn. Yeah. Um. So it, you know, it, that was the key is like making kind of belief the key. So hopefully, when people leave the theater, they start going, "Oh crap!" Now it's, it's I, almost like an infection movie when yeah. you think about it. It's almost yeah. like not unlike Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it's one of those movies where in 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 knowing Nancy you're in danger. Yeah. In knowing these people you are in danger. Right. So that is kind of cool and when you take that view of it that uh in trying to sp- spell the curse she is she's bringing perpetuating it. Perpetuating it. And this is definitely more, you know, we we had a lot of fun with it, but it was this is definitely more there's a lot of like character and, and drama in it. And it's funny mm-hmm. because I mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street because it's such an uh, impactful film on me and you know, there's a bathtub scene that I wrote that's, you know, just an homage. Your shadow, yeah. You know, because you have to do that. But it's interesting because there were so many things that happened in it. Because, you know, we didn't go for the, like, obviously, it's, it's about sleep paralysis. So, there, you know, the night hack's not, you know, twisting reality like Freddy does or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, there were some interesting scenes. There's, like, a scene on a on a bridge where J- uh, Jocelyn Donahue's character, Kate, gets a lot of information. And people are like, oh, you took that from the Nancy Glenn scene on the bridge in the Nightmare oh, I'm like, oh. They're like, no, I, I actually wrote that in a gazebo, but they just found a bridge. And, <laughs> and to separate the twins, they gave one of them a white streak in her hair. And I was like, oh, you did that because of Heather Lincoln came in. And they're like, no, we just wanted And I was like, whatever, <laughs> fine. How much but, of this stuff is subconscious, though? Because you're making movies with people who have such a lot, like, big appreciation and, uh, you know, dearth of knowledge of all this stuff that it's almost secondhand. These are, the, these are their influences as much as they're yours. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I think it. I think it, part of it is that, and I, I just for me it, again, this is why you know this this film is just very you know dear to me because it's just it's a personal story, but also it is kind of you know it just does play in that nightmare realm. And so when I see all those nice touches, and then you know just knowing how important Wes Craven was to me, and um, it will always be to me, just per- personally and career wise. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this is just a really personal film, and it's a, you know, again, it's a touching film. It's you know, dealing with guilt and you know, addiction and family, and and um, it's not heavy soapboxy, but it's not, you know, it's more of a creepy, you know, it is a supernatural like There's thriller to it. It's an it's a supernatural thriller. Like I used I I hate I used to hate when 
people in Fangoria would be like, well, this isn't a horror movie. It's a supernatural thriller. And I'd be like, like well, that's not like a horror movie. Yeah, they're that's the same like, thing, but you're yeah. just acting like horror is a dirty word. And this one. Sorry, it doesn't have a bunch of people getting stabbed repeatedly. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Like, how many times do you need to watch that? Yeah, but I. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I I I've written my first slasher movie, which we're going to be doing next. But oh, great. we'll talk about that in a little after we talk about Dead Awake a little more. Sure, um, well, we'll, but yeah, but Dead Awake was just you know, it's a, it's just a really special film, and and I'm really again I became like family with the with the producers and the cast, and uh, Jocelyn did her first monster her first convention went to Monster Palooza. All right, and Philip is amazing because he's he's more of a film noir kind of director. Sure, so he's been going to these conventions. He's like just fallen in love with like the horror geeks because they're like, oh so my God. passionate and, and loyal. he's like i know he is like blown like we went to monster palooza and we did a panel really early and i'm like oh he's gonna want to leave early right afterwards no and so i was like hey do you mind hanging out for a little bit he's like no no i'm having a great time so i went around and got all the autographs i wanted and i'm getting tired because i do the conventions all the you know i go all the time when i can and i was tired and so it's like you know five hours later and i'm fine philip and our producer james i'm like so you guys ready to go? They're like, hell no, we're having a great time. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> you converted them. I've converted them. They're so in it very, to win it. But, but it's, it is so nice because he does, you know, people that don't know our community just don't realize how, no, what, no matter what kind of geek you are, if it's sci-fi, if it's horror or fantasy, you know, gaming, um, you know, the, you know, people just don't realize how passionate and, and, and we are about this stuff. And there's a sense of community that you yeah. don't often get when you're consuming this stuff. When you're reading a comic book, you're probably not doing it in the round. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're probably just reading a comic by yourself. Yeah. And for a lot of us, like the v, like watching VHS, we were in a you know we were in a room with a few friends at a sleepover, or maybe we we're in a movie theater or something. But um, video games can be isolating. Yeah. Comics can be isolating. The existence of being someone who is counterculture can be isolating. Yeah. And to have these communal like things and this acceptance uh, can be a big rush for us. It can oh, be absolutely. a big relief to know that we're not alone. You're not alone. Universe. Absolutely. I mean, that's why, and you know, most of the horror, you know, 99% of the horror, you know, writer, director, actors I know are just like the nicest people. And people mm-hmm. meet them and they're like, I can't believe you guys are so nice. And it's like, that's what do you think we, you were going to be? Yeah, because you, you write all this dark stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I think we just, we probably get out of all of our negative shit in our writing. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't. I actually have fun. Like with me, when I'm writing horror, it's more like I want to write stuff that I haven't seen before. You know, so I'm trying to think of like, okay, what's going to be like a really cool scene that I haven't seen that's going to yeah, stick in creative. people's mind. And so it's, for me, it's always fun. Like that's why I, you know, I'm surprised I haven't done it. You know, I've been up for a couple of slasher movies, but I, I hadn't done one before, and so writing one was actually really fun. Do you think they're coming back? I mean, it seems um, like everybody's going psychological, contained, um, ghost. I, um. Not that it matters, but yeah, no, I, I hope I hope they do come back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the the film that we're doing. I mean, it's it's with Lionsgate, and it's um, it's the this is another thing I've been trying to do forever was just to, you know, get a film with a diverse cast, which has been you know, it's just been a fight. It's been like even with Final Destination, you know, I'm like this movie takes place in New York, so the cast should be a little diverse, you know, because we're New the York. The city is diverse, and they're yeah. like okay, and then they end up casting. All white kids. Not going to work. And, and, not going to freaking work. And I'm like, guys, we're going to at least try, we're, we're gonna try to make it a little, okay. We'll that could be Westchester. Yeah, that could be Westchester. So, but it's, you know, the the sad reality is for as far as we've come, you know, as a society is, is especially internationally, you know, films that are seen as urban films don't sell as well internationally. And okay. That's, that's the reason they won't. You know, they don't, you know, Get Out is shown. I mean, that movie's made over, I think, 150 million domestically. The movie's phenomenal. It's amazing. It's an amazing movie. Um, 
but the film that I'm doing for Lionsgate is called Superstition. We have mostly an African-American and Latino cast. Great. And and it, the great thing is it's just a great slasher movie and it doesn't have anything to do with race. It just happens to be that we're following some friends who, you know. This is who would be this hanging is out their, together Yeah, in this New is their group of right. friends. Um, so it's been it's just been amazing. Ludacris is in it and Bow Wow and Evan Ross and um, Lauren McLean. We've got it. Jeanne Aiko. There's a lot of... And they start shooting or are they shot? Um, they're going to start shooting in June and it's uh, the Getz Brothers who did the Martyrs remake and Cena wow. are doing it. And um really pumped about it. It's just, I... It, it, yeah, it just... I, writing a slasher film first and foremost is fun uh-huh. and it's based on the superstition that deaths happen in threes. So two people, two people die on a college campus and somebody... There's one more coming. <laughs> so somebody starts a Deadpool to <laughs> oh, figure out shit. who the person is going to die and then a third person dies and then our... our, our heroin wins the deadpool money but then somebody starts going after people that enter the pool and sure. um so in just, threes in in yes yeah. there's yeah the 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 true rule of threes is, is this magic square so there's like three three sets of threes so it's right. nine people in total so they think the deadpool's over with the third death and but then it's like wait again. there's more um so it was just really fun to just write like a guy with a knife you know, going, going after it. people. I mean, it's Wes Craven style. Yeah. It goes back to that stuff that you love. Yeah. So it's, it was really fun to write. And, and I think that, um, you know, again, I, I think it's going to do well. And I think it'll, I think, I think we're due for a good slasher. Sure. You know, we're due for a good slasher movie. Yeah. No, I, I am. Um, I'm just trying to think of when the last one was. I did like your next yeah, I not that it was not that it was a slasher movie. It was it was like Home Alone for adults. I actually mentioned that I, I did an interview earlier today, and they were talking about what movies I'd seen that I thought were really good, and that was one I brought up too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not really a slasher, but you could you could consider that. Sure, it's a but little it home invasion, awesome. but mm-hmm. yeah, your next was good. I mean, Hush was good. The, the, I mean, it's crazy to think that uh, what was the one with Liv Tyler. Oh, the strangers. The strangers. Strange. It's crazy to think that movie's almost like what ten, fifteen years old. Yeah. Like, geez. Yeah. Like another home invasion movie that like is. I mean, that genre was doing well. And if you guys haven't seen uh, your next, it's actually pretty oh, awesome. It's, really, it's fun to watch. It's such a fun movie to watch. Um. So I, I'm going to go to the book of knowledge. I'm opening oh. it up <laughs> to to get some questions for <laughs> you from the Geekscapists. Straight from the source. Um, guys, we're here every week. We do Geekscape every week. And, and uh, like if you go last episode, we talk about comic books. Next episode, we might be talking about screenwriting or movies or video games. But this is Geekscape. And sometimes we get geeks to just talk about all of them. But uh, this is a screenwriting and film and horror-centric episode. So if you enjoy it, again, Horror Movie Night Podcast on the Geekscape website. Uh, you can keep the, the, the horror stuff going. But if you just want some general geek just, just check us out every week. If you yeah. guys, if you guys Major want a nice shot of geek. sampling of geek every <laughs> every week for f- the entire year, just subscribe to Geekscape or share Geekscape with your friends. Um, and Westwood One did not put me up to that. They've been a great home so far. I was going to say this is like a fancy. This is like a super fancy. Yeah, it's been good. We, you, know, you know, Westwood One is uh is has been very nice to us, and uh, we love being a part of the family. Uh, so here's some here's some questions that some of the Geekscapists have dropped on you. And uh, let's see. So Sheldon Price says, when writing, how do you deal with like uh, horror classic, classic horror cliches, like avoiding them? Do you, do you just steer clear of them completely or sometimes you embrace them? Um, I, th- I think you some of them you have to embrace um, or you what I try to do is take take them and put a spin on them where you think, OK, they're going to do this because this is always what happens
there are certain things you can't get away from in a way. Like you, now that we have cell phones, you know, cell phones have screwed up horror films. Um, <laughs> right. You know, so you, you don't want to have it be like, oh, we don't get, we can't you get a signal. We don't get reception. We don't get reception. So you have to like try to figure out ways, you know, like what we, what we did with the, the superstition, the Lionsgate thing is, you know, it's an app that you da- download app. Oh. And it actually gives a killer access to your phone. So, so you've they, embraced this. So I embraced that, it for that one. Yeah, the um, speed bump that you usually have to hit, you embrace the yeah, speed so bump. Yeah, so now the killer actually, yeah, the killer can kind of screw with your phone so you can't call for help. Sure. Um, but, you know, there's some things you just can't avoid. Like, you, have, it's kind of the, the, just the way the genre is set up. You know, like you need to, there's certain kind of stereotypes, you know, you have to have in there. But, so um, would you answer? Would your answer just be to to acknowledge it and either fully use it as a plot device, or, or put a spin on it? Yeah, try to put a spin on it. Absolutely. Um, our own Derek Cranavelt says, uh, "What's been your favorite death in the entirety of your Final Destination movies? You don't necessarily have to pick a death that was in one of yours that you wrote, but as producer, what do you think is no, your favorite? Well, they're super creative. Yeah, no, no." Um, I mean, I, I well, I have to give two answers. Let's my go for my it. favorite sequence is the log trucks because okay. that originally that was going to be a hotel fire, and the Craig Perry was like, "We need something better, Jeff." And something with movement. Yeah, yeah, we need something better. I'm like, "Why do you always do this to me?" No, <laughs> but I was go- I was going back to Kentucky and I got behind a log truck, and I was like, and I pulled over because I always do, and then I just pulled off the road. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" I'm like, "What about a?" Yeah. I called Craig immediately. I'm like, "It's like really late at night too." I'm like, "What about a log truck on a freeway?" That's what I'm talking about, Jeff. And then, so that opening is my favorite. That is scary, that man, driving alongside just, those things. And David Ellis and, you know, rest in peace, David, um, uh, we lost him too. But he that scene was just so well directed too. And I think that that's still one of the best openings of, of a horror movie. That's cool. Um, but my favorite death would have to, would that the one that got me the most was the gymnastic scene from part five. Fuck that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> No, nope. anytime I see those girls in the Olympics, I wince. And they and it's not they're not even in a Final Destination movie. It's like I, I can't watch gymnastics. It freaks me out. It's it the, it's just the it, there's such a build up and then the way that it, she actually dies. <laughs> I can't talk like okay, that. Okay, all right. It's so okay. visceral. It's so brutal. Yeah, yeah, that was my um that was the one and Eric um who did the arrival. We uh-huh. you know that, that's I you know it's just really nice cuz he's such a great guy too and um you know we've been we've been chatting and stuff and so it's how cool is that you have like an Oscar nominated writer who's written one of your uh, sequels and um, yeah, he just did a great a he just did a great job with that film and in that gymnastics scene just I I went to a screening at New Line an early screening of it just to watch it and I literally like screamed out loud when Makes I saw you that sick. it's awful and I'm telling you Jeff and it may not be your fault or his fault but like I when I watch the gymnastics it's hard man I've had my knee explode on me playing basketball so like oh. watching people land. And do stuff on the gymnastics, like on the horror, any of that stuff. Yeah. The jumps, the flips. I can't, man. I just figure that their legs are going to snap or something's going to bounce in their face. They can't do it. It freaks yeah. me out. <laughs> uh, quick question from Seth Eisenberg. Uh, jump scare, important horror tool or hacky crutch? You know what? I I think they're, I think if you overuse them, they're a crutch. Uh-huh. Um, but again, there, there's sometimes you just want to, jump yeah and you know what and the, I, the funny thing is they those still get me right like i'm i get so embarrassed when i go to see horror films with my friends because they're like oh nothing will scare you and and i do like get out like i was just clutching my seat the whole time because of the dread but the throw a friggin' cat through a window and <laughs> la- yep and i'm like screaming <laughs> like a buzzer like a 12 year old yeah like let's I'm, put buzzers on yeah, the like, again so um so when i ride every once in a while i'll put that stuff in there 
I tried to not to overuse it. I mean, I, I don't throw a cat out of something, but sure. usually it's like a character who's, you know, creeping around and somebody, you know, will come up behind him. Like, I'll, I'll put a couple of those in there sometimes if it's needed, um, you know, for the story. Because you, sure. you want to have those moments that, you know, you want to have the builds up to a really great kill. But I think sometimes you need them. You want but, some atmospheric scares? And then yeah. some scares that are just like, surprise. That's surprise. Yeah, that's surprise. So I try not to overuse them. Um, Matt MacGyver, I don't know if this is a, a jerk question or not oh there's no jerk questions is this he, one about he, day of the dead no he says he loves the final <laughs> destination series big fan i'd like to know how much you, you got oh yeah it's the day oh. of the dead question matt mcgyver i love you man you've been with us the whole time but uh he wants to know how much you got for 2008's day of the dead what percentage of the final product was your fault that's how he phrased I will, it I he will, goes how much of no, the final will, product was his fault and if he thinks it was worth it like it was, like, like, like you have blood money on no, your no, hands no 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 you know or failing that he, of course I'm not failing that I just asked him maybe what two properties you'd like to write a versus movie for like um, King Kong versus Godzilla would be shit. I love. First of all, first of all, thank you for giving an alternative. Matt is like it's, that. No, but I that's nice. Matt. That's nice because but most people just most people just blunt. be like most people are like what the fuck were you thinking? Why'd you do this? <laughs> but I love the fact that you actually gave an alternative question. Yeah. Um, I will. Dick. Answer, I'll answer both of them. Um, the situation with Day of the Dead is uh, they had already hired Steve Miner to direct the film. So right. they were they were going to make it. And that were, train's leaving the station, That train man. was leaving the station. So they if you want be, a paycheck, you better jump on. Not even a paycheck. Honestly, they said, bring us, bring us, come in with a take. And my, and, and this is the honest truth, I'm not lying, my, my original take was very similar to the original. Like, it took place in a bunker. We had the evolution of Bud. We Like, just a lot of the yeah. stuff was, was, it was very referential to the first movie. That movie's phenomenal. Um, and they, they hired me based on that. It was just updated, you know, really, mm-hmm. and it had some more action in it. And then, as I started writing the script, they kept making me change stuff and change stuff. And then, so it went away from the military and they industrial kept, complex. And they kept, yeah. And 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 there there got to be a point where I literally was fighting with the producers. I'm like, guys, we're gonna get killed. Even if we made it the same movie, just mm-hmm. updated it, we're gonna get killed anyway. Right. Like, why make us get killed even worse? But they didn't care. Like, they really started. Str- like at one point, they wanted to make Mina Savari like 13. Because they'd never seen a thirteen-year-old in a movie fighting and zombie. And that was a sequel to the, the. That was an unofficial sequel to one James Gunn kind of wrote for. Well, well that it, was. Was it a continuation? It like wasn't the Bing a continuation. Rains characters no, and all those that no. survived the Dawn no, no. of the Dead. And that was that was kind of the pickle that the little bit of the pickle that we were in where we could only remake Day of the Dead. Right. It couldn't be connected to any of the other movies because of the rights because all the rights yes. tangles up kind of stuff. So. It did go from like something that I uh, like. If you read interviews with me when I first got the job, and I and I don't bullshit. Like I would literally, I was like, "Hey, this is going to be a movie the fans are going to enjoy." And if you read my reviews after we started shooting, I'm like, "It's a movie." <laughs> like I quit saying <laughs> we that. We made a movie. We made a movie. Um, so because I am a, was a writer for hire, I had to do what they told me on that. Basically, so it got uh, it really got away from what I had intended it to be, and. Um, it on its own, like literally, if you just watch it as a zombie, if they called it like zombie apocalypse and you went to see it, it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. They just shouldn't have called it Day of the Dead. And I told them that right. when we were done, I'm like, guys, this is not where we. This yeah. is not Day of the Dead. Like, call it something else. Like this zombie, fl- you know, crawling up the ceiling and all that shit. Like that, all that stuff is like I'm sitting there cringing, going, oh, this isn't going to work. Um, and yeah, so it, I mean, I mean, I wrote it. Nobody else came in and wrote it, no. but. So you know, so unfortunately, the is one hundred percent Matt McIver. It's a, it's it's my it's my <laughs> it's actual it's fault. it's my my fault under 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 duress, duress though because I really I honestly 
because I also wanted to work with Steve Miner. Sure. And so this was a chance for me to work with somebody who'd done it. So many films that I had idolized. And I went in going, you know what? They're going to make it. I might as well have a fan do it who's going to do it justice. And I literally, they hired me based off of like a four-page story outline that was very, if you read it, it's very close to the original movie. And then as I started writing it, they started changing it. And I was like, you know, that's one of those things where it's like... Welcome to Hollywood. You say, yeah, welcome to Hollywood. And it's like, you know, and there, there was a point where they're like, well, you know, either you write this or we're just going to bring somebody else on to do it. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I could have had somebody else come on and keep going in the direction they wanted, but it would have still ended up there anyway. Right. And, you know, you don't want to be seen as a difficult writer, so you pick your battles. Um, in versus movie you'd like to make, obviously King Kong vs. Godzilla is something I'd like, but what do you think? Um be anything. You know, I it, it, this is just going to sound cheesy because I, I mean I I would just like to do my Freddy versus Jason movie. Okay, so. <laughs> that's a, that would be awesome. <laughs> that's the only one I get. I of. think mine would start with Gremlins versus, and I got to pick something cool, and it can't be Critters. It could be Critters, but um, or Killers Killer Clowns from Outer Space versus. Then you got to think of something cool, but oh, those are all franchises. That I, I, the, the Gremlins franchise is the one that like. I would immediately jump. <laughs> oh, like, Jonathan, I know you something. Do anything? I know something. Yeah, I want to Gremlins. I know what I would want to do, and I hope the go for it. Writer and director, because Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes, love that movie. I think that he should make Tucker and Dale the Abbott and Costello of horror films, and, and I think they, they just kind of run they into were, big bads. Were, so in each movie, like so, they did the Hillbillies in the Woods in the sure. first one, and I think they should do a Haunted House one in the second one, and I think they should just put them in all the Abbott and Costello situations because those guys are so have funny. Like a mummy and like because yeah. those guys are they're so funny together and have so much chemistry. It's like that'd be cool. I think that that's I, and I've been saying that every time I do an interview. Tell I'm Alan Tudyk if we get him in the show. And we, I should him, reach out to him. Just tell him to do that. We should be like, hey, dude, you you know, you guys should freaking do it. Taylor Labine was, yep. the, was the actor yeah. in, along with him? Yeah. Yeah. They're, that, they they're were so, awesome. They're, and they have such great chemistry. Like, they should completely make those. Okay, now we're going to go to level two. This, these, Wait, this, do you mean this, level two as in a meaner two, question? This, this is who completely the... going from the Horror Movie Night podcast. <laughs> kids. That was just the Geekscape kids. Now we're going into the sub-level of oh, Horror Movie now, Night okay. podcast. Okay. Uh, Ruby Rose, uh, Rudy Rose uh, says, Clear Rivers is a pretty memorable character for me, and I always thought it would be cool to have another survivor interact with the current victims, but mostly everybody dies. So if you could bring someone back, or a family member, side character, whatever you want, who would you choose if, if you could choose to unkill one of the Final Destination characters? You know, it's... <laughs> Only it's, to re-kill them, probably. It's, well, it's, you know, it's it's interesting, because in, in, in my head, because I've actually had many conversations with Craig Perry about this, because... Even though they, we never saw Alex die, mm-hmm. you know, I would actually like to bring, I'm, I'm friends with Devin. He's directing now. I love him to death. He's a great guy. Um, and, you know, we never saw um, Kimberly and, and um, Officer Thomas die at the end of the second one. Mm-hmm. So we only know that they died because it was on the DVD extra. So people that aren't. But that doesn't count. That, that doesn't, that's what I, that's what I told Craig. It that's count. what I told Craig. I'm like, most people, you know, just the geeks really watch the DVD extra. So but that doesn't count. So the most of the people who see the movie don't know that they're dead. Right. So I, I would love to bring Alex back, actually, and, and, you know, reveal that he actually didn't die, that he, you know, figured and out a way. He could actually be the antithesis to the Tony Todd character and be like the one who's trying to save everyone while yeah. he's trying to kill everybody and he shows up with a scar and a yeah. bad leg and he's like kids follow me yeah I'll get you out of here safe yeah you, know, you can actually give him yeah. a cool and he's all role. like big and buff now he's like is he? he's like a stud now he's like ridiculous damn get him in there stud up on a final destination I know, I know. so I'd, I'd, I'd like to bring him back um Tyler Sharp says uh 
With film franchises being so favorable right now, remakes, reimagining, reboots, will we see more Final Destination installments? Even if it's direct-to-video sequels or you know hitting theaters, it's way more deserving than the Saw reboot we've got coming our way. <laughs> that's that's his <laughs> words. Um, I think we've talked about that. I think we talked yeah, about you, you know wanting what it, to do it's, it. It's, I mean, it's it's not even that. It, no, I mean, I I have definitely have ideas, and the producer has ideas. I mean, you know, again, it's it's the studio's decision at the end of the day. And I know that you know there is definitely like a fan base for us. So, and I think I think the good thing is we haven't the franchise hasn't worn out its welcome mm-hmm. by doing. T- too many of them. So it's been paced and stuff. Like but you. on the other hand, I, you know, it's, it's that, I mean, just as, you know, like I, I, again, I have some ideas and Craig's got some great ideas and, you know, Tony Todd's got some great ideas. I mean, I think that, no spoilers. You know, no spoilers. No, I'm just, because you never know if anything's going to happen with them or not. But, the, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where people are definitely want one and I hope that there is going to be one. Welcome so. to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, okay. Last but not least, we got uh, Megan Williams. She says, firstly, she loves Final Destination. Uh, the third film was one of the first horror movies she watched, and she's loved the films ever since. Uh, she's going to be the boring person, though, and ask, what Final Destination movie do you like the most? Which one do you like the least, and for a reason? Um, I like the second one the most, um, and it's because with that one, I kind of got to do... There's a whole bunch of stuff that I l- like to do with sequels, and... I like the idea of bringing back the original, somebody from the original. So sure. originally I brought Alex and Clear back, but they just weren't, there was some scheduling issues with, with Devin. So that's why they did the stupid thing with the killing with the rock, which was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he got hit in the head by a brick. Um, but also I wanted to set up the idea that you, you meet Kimberly and her friends and you think that they're going to be the leads. Um, but after the premonition, that truck comes in, like smashes and kills all the, her friends. Sure. So you're like, wait a minute, who the fuck are the leads? Yeah. So I, I had fun. And then I also and they didn't explore it as much as I had originally done in my story, but the idea that the people who cheated death in the first movie because they were alive, they'd affected all these other people's lives that they didn't know about. And so I got to do a lot of layering, even though a lot of it was kind of pulled back a little bit. I got to do a lot of, you know, instead of just remaking the first movie, we got to do, know, a, ripple do a ripple effect yeah. and expand on it. So that was my, the second was actually my favorite of the franchise. Um, you know, the, the third one's my least favorite. The carnival one. The carnival it's one. It's weird. It's 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 it gets a little oaky. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it, but it's I think fun. It's fun, but it's it's. I just feel like um. Like I didn't, and maybe there's just something that I missed actually, and maybe the geeks can help me out. But like the roller coaster and the premonition goes off the tracks because the guy with the camera, like his camera, like loops around the rails, mm-hmm. and so. But he gets off the he gets off the roller coaster so then i'm like well then what causes the accident right and i, did, I just felt it was a little it Loose. Was a little goofy yeah yeah and it's played for gags a bit like and you know one thing i worry about is like every time you see like oh here's the guy with the bow and arrow yeah <laughs> the, the crossbow oh i wonder how this is gonna end yeah. and so yeah. i think that's my just just i think that's my that was that was probably my least favorite because i just felt it was a little I, I just didn't feel like they put like with the with the especially like with the fifth one too i felt like because they called the fourth one the final destination mm-hmm. and it wasn't and there was such a backlash that by the time they got to the fifth one they really made a movie that was for the fans and it was designed it was the discipline was back and it, yeah and yeah. it was and you could tell they just you know tony todd had a bigger role and and it was just it just felt like they put more thought and care into it and it wasn't like a rush job not that the other ones were but you know i i for me three just felt like and there were you know like and i and this is nothing you know no big deal but you know like i love the tanning bed scene but you know, I try to avoid just because I, you know, Nancy is my favorite movie mm-hmm. heroine of all time. And, you know, my, I grew up with a very strong mother and, you know, a sister and who's in the military and, you know, can kick my ass. And 
Um, so I always try not to like have like gratuitous like nudity. And so that tanning bed scene is fine and it's fun for guys who want to see boobies. But that scene goes on for like ever. They're like, hey, <laughs> let's, let's put on our headsets and jiggle up and down in the tanning right. bed with no tops on for five minutes. Which probably never happens. In it doesn't really happen. Yeah, I've never seen that. Um, but um, I'm sure many people have rewound that part a lot. <laughs> so um, the third one's, yeah, the third one's my, like my least. And the second one's my first favorite. That's um, funny. Or my top favorite. Well, Geekscapists, those are your questions for Jeff. Uh, dude, thanks for coming, man. The oh, no. movie is called Why. Uh, you were going to say Wide Awake. Awake. I was going to say Wide, wide Awake because I need to be Wide Awake. But <laughs> the movie's called Dead Awake. It comes out uh, next Friday or this coming Friday as of the release of this show. That, yeah. I'm releasing this one. We, we pre-recorded this one um, so you can continue your tour of press, your press tour. And um, as of the listening of this uh, podcast, it's coming out this Friday. So if you guys have your VOD or if you're in one of these uh, 12, 10, 12 cities that it's releasing in, go online, Google the movie, see if it's playing in your area. If you like seeing these movies in a, as a communal experience with your friends with a tub of popcorn and some drinks and some laughs and some screams, uh, go out there and see it in theaters. You know, I'm sure that helps. Uh, if not, if it's not playing near you guys, you can watch it on VOD. So... Uh, check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. No, we're really proud of it and um, and I hope you guys like it. And thanks for having me on the show. Dude, Jeff, we need to hang out more. I know. And absolutely. not just see each other in the lobby after now a movie. we're saying it on the air. We have to make it happen. There's no excuse. <laughs> Dude, and good luck in New York with this next one. Oh, thank Superstition. You. Superstition. We're going to be shooting that in Atlanta. In Atlanta? In Atlanta, yeah. For New York. Um, or did they change the setting from the script? Um, no. It, was no. it always Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or it wasn't. It, well, actually, it was said. It wasn't said any any specific. It was like now we small got, town college. That's cool. Yeah. So well, good really luck excited. with that one in Thank June, you. man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And he'll be back with Bow Wow to promote that one. <laughs> <laughs> just like, now I'm just saying that was up. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a friend of mine's film. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's pretty cool. Uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. Thank Geekscape you. is always around. Geekscape.net is where we hang our hats. There's articles up all the time from our writers. We'll be at Comic Con. Uh, and come visit us if you guys have a badge. If you don't have a badge, be su- subscribe to Geekscape on iTunes. Share it with your friends if this is your first time listening to Geekscape because we'll take you to Comic-Con. We're going to be doing podcasts from the booth the entire weekend. We're also going to be doing a road to Comic-Con where we have more guests and we lead up to some of the people who will be signing at our booth at Comic-Con. And if you, hey, if you, if you don't have a badge, it's okay. You got us. That's what Geekscape's for, to bring you guys into uh, this communal experience that we're all having. So you find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, all of that, and um, be a part of it. Really appreciate it. Shout out to Westwood One for uh, being a part of this as well now. And Loot Crate. Go to lootcrate.com slash Geekscape. Use the promo code Geekscape for a discount. And we'll see you guys next week on the Geekscape. Over and out. Take care, everybody.